As I'm watching this high-stakes Jeopardy game, I'm realizing I'm actually a little nervous for The Bachelor to start. You know, I could become very addicted to it if I like it. I could also hate it, which would then, you know, officially isolate me from so many people in my life who are huge fans of The Bachelor, and I just would not be able to relate to them. Even more than not having ever seen it, if I've watched it and I hate it, then there's really a rift. Welcome to Bachelor First Impression the show where I force someone who has never watched The Bachelor to watch an episode of The Bachelor. My roommate just said I'm too old to go on The Bachelor, so that has me feeling really good. They record their first impressions. I do think that Colton's dad might be a better match for me than Colton would be, so um, that's where I'm at right now. And then we talk about it. Yeah, my roommate did say I was too old to go on The Bachelor. She was joking. And then we looked it up. And I am not too old to go on The Bachelor, but it does depend on how old The Bachelor is. They have like a 10-year age-like span. So if The Bachelor is 26, I think you can be five years younger than that or five years older than that. My guest today is Claire Stein. She's a creative director at Attention, a media company that creates content primarily for social media platforms. I've been in L.A. for two and a half months or so. Compared to New York, I feel like L.A. feels more steeped in reality television, and it just felt like an appropriate homecoming to L.A. of like, all right, now I have to see if I'm into The Bachelor. So happy that you were excited to watch. Um, Can you walk me through the plot of the episode you watched? I don't even know at what point in the season I started watching, but I know Colton has already eliminated a lot of women from the roster. I think there's seven left. And this episode was all about him really figuring out who's in it for the real reasons, because in the next episode, apparently, he's doing something called hometown visits or hometown something. And this is him deciding if he's going to meet these girls' parents or not. In my world, if you said that to someone, they would literally, like, find the nearest exit. So there were pretty high stakes, and on top of that, apparently before this, three women in a row had warned him about some enigmatic, unnamed women who were there for the wrong reasons. And so he's shook up. He reminded me of, like, a dictator during, like, the last years of war where his army is failing, and there's, like, generals in his ear, like, pointing fingers and telling him that there's spies. I'm not super impressed. He seems like an actual human embryo. And so first he goes on a date with Taisha. First of all, how come no one takes me on dates like this? And then he went on a date with Kaylin, who is one of the people that Taisha warned him about. He confronted her, and she convinced him that she was in it for the right reasons. Usually when you're falling in love with people, you don't say, I'm falling in love with you so many times in a row. Finally, poor Hannah. He went on a date with Hannah. He brought her to meet his family before dumping her. This is so painful. Oh my God. Why he would choose this most intimate of all dates and just to, you know, without much fanfare, like push her into the car at the end of the date and say goodbye. That was pretty brutal. Finally, he has the date with the four remaining contestants, and that was interesting. There was a lot of infighting among the women. One of them, I think Heather, was just like, you know, I'm not really feeling it, and jumped on the train. Respect to Heather for sort of shutting him down. I mean, respect. There was a big tension between Kerpa and... 
Cassie. And I ended up being super on Cassie's team because Kerpa was not even, I, there was zero chemistry between her and Colton. And she was spending all of her time with him just speaking badly about the other girls. I don't understand why they're all pointing fingers at each other. They just need to focus on Colton, I guess. What a relief you picked, Cassie. True love wins in the end. I think that pretty much covers it. Well, I'm confused, I'm conflicted, but I definitely want to watch the next episode. Clearly, I'm now into this show. Can you tell me a little bit about the company that you work for, what you do? So Attention is a media company that entertains and informs. We started about four or five years ago making social content for primarily video on a lot on on Facebook and Instagram. And since then we've grown and we do events. We're doing some longer form stuff. And um, yeah, we're, our goal though is still always to find that intersection of informing people and also entertaining people. How do you do that? We talk a lot about sugarcoating important information and making it more like palatable or interesting. So I think a good example is called money metaphors, where we explained personal finance topics through funny, interesting analogies and metaphors. Like, you know, every time my parents tr tried to talk to me about a furrow and K, I like immediately stop listening. It's like a disease. I can't actually hear them. I have to stop listening. So, you know, the, there's a famous marshmallow experiment where they give kids, like they basically say, Hey, you can eat this marshmallow now and just eat it. Or you can wait. And if you successfully don't eat the marshmallow, you'll get two later. And we use that as an analogy for saving for your 401k. And in that context explained what a 401k is, how it works, why you should save for it, and got into some of the intricacies of that. And I think that's a good example, in this case, of literally sugarcoating information that can be kind of boring or um, inaccessible. So looking at some of Attention's videos, it looks like you guys also partner with brands to come up with content. So I'm in the marketing world because we do a lot of work with brands. And I think that was an interesting part of this is applying that, like everyone today wants to be famous in one way or another. And I think that was also part of the sort of the experience of watching when I was surprised that there was this shock of someone could be here for something other than love. I was deeply confused because I thought everyone was there for pure and blatant self-promotion. Um, and maybe that is me coming from the marketing world and knowing that, you know, people who have a ton of Instagram followers can easily make a very good living. If they're smart, you know, they want to parlay this into something that can be useful later on in life. So if you were helping these contestants market themselves, what would you tell them to do differently? What are they doing right? That's a really good question because I think a lot of the same principles as to like what makes good reality TV probably applies to like what makes a good social media presence because it's not necessarily about being liked. Like you should be a divisive figure because generally speaking, like on social media, the more people are commenting or engaging with a post, the higher it will rank in an algorithm. So for instance, Let's take one of the divisive members from the show, Kaylin. I bet a lot of people are undecided on whether she's in it for the right reasons or she's actually falling in love. If she sort of posted something that was hinting at that and not giving people a clear answer, I'm sure Bachelor fans would kind of flip out in the comments and would get into arguments and people would say, she's totally in it for the right reasons. I could see it in her eyes. And other people would say, no, she just wants to sell like skincare ads after this season ends. 
And that type of commentary would lead to a high rank in the algorithm, which would then eventually get her more followers, which would then equal more money um, in the long term. So it's not about being liked. It's about how much attention you can get. So in some ways, it's like our president. He became successful through being divisive. And he was a reality television star. So that's interesting. You don't need to be liked to be successful on social media. You you need to have a core base of super fans, but like Kim Kardashian, a lot of people really don't like the Kardashians for whatever reason. Or Kanye, even though he's not super active on social is another example. Like any major public figure is super divisive. And so I think specifically on social posting content that is not just like, oh, yes, everyone agrees with that generally can be really good for an individual who's trying to grow their fan base. A lot of what brands in the social media space talk about today is like how many views can you get like how many eyeballs how many impressions but if you've ever used social media and you know like the scrolling effect like when you after a certain point just get dead-eyed and you're like scrolling past that's not really like a viable metric like saying you have two million views on something is powerful but what's even better is having engagement and showing that a lot of people shared something or there were a lot of comments on something and that you're starting a conversation in one way or another, and that's a much more powerful metric than views. Also, in the brand marketing space, every brand pays for lots of views on their content, but when you have engagement, you can't pay for it at all. So I think for any influencer, like someone on The Bachelor, they should be thinking about it that way too. It's not just about how many people like or how many people see it. It's about getting people to actually comment or take an action or tag their friend. Um, and that's kind of where, that's how we think about content at my company, at least. It seems like this episode, there was a lot of like negative campaigning or negative advertising, knocking down the competition. Is that something you would ever recommend for marketing? In marketing strategy, there's a funnel. And so top of funnel means awareness. It means storytelling. That's where you're like shaping your identity. You're making people understand who you are as a brand and hopefully fall in love with you or at least have some affinity. And then as you move farther down the funnel, that's where it's called low funnel or lower funnel. And that's where you're getting into asking people to buy something, asking people to switch cell phone providers, asking people to go out and buy your silk pajamas or whatever. And that is where in the lower funnel, Um, you might end up comparing yourself to another brand based on price point or based on other factors. And that can be super effective, but I think it only works once you've built that quote unquote top of funnel foundation of people knowing your brand, people having, you know, a, a positive idea of your brand. So if you just if you started your own version of War- of a Warby Parker and your whole strategy was like, Warby Parker sucks, buy mine instead. I don't think that would be successful. Like you could do that eventually and that might be part of your messaging, but the first part would have to be like defining yourself first and then putting other people down later, I guess. So then what would be some of your recommendations? There's like something to be said for finding communities on social media. So like, I don't watch enough of The Bachelor to know, but if there was one contestant who was like super into action sports or like extreme sports, she would automatically have an in with 
like an active community uh, on Instagram or Facebook who's also super into extreme sports. And so she would almost automatically have like a core fan base. And so I think it's also smart for the contestants to almost like brand themselves in terms of like aligning with a community of like-minded people. I kind of want to look at their Instagram. We should look look and see what they've... But I bet you it's mostly headshots. Like it's going to be... I Like I... Who knows? But I would bet with most of the contestants, they're posting like glamour shots of themselves. And I think that that's not good for social. I think they should post more like very candid, like, oops, I didn't mean even to take this selfie types of selfies. And because that's what social is for. So whose profile should we look for first? Um, Let's look for Kaylin. That's got to be her. How many followers does she have? Oh, she has 441K. Um, Kaylin Miller Keys. <clears throat> so, oh my God, yeah. Her Instagram is like highly curated. You know, it's, it's all body shots. So, this tells me like she's very vain, but like also really into like fashion. Like a lot of her stuff is showing off her cool outfits or sometimes just her butt because she's wearing a bathing suit. Oh, oh, she has a group pick with the other contestants. That's pretty cute. But like, by and large, oh, there's one photo where it feels actually candid, but most of these are professionally shot. So, yeah, I mean, I think her profile could be made a little bit more candid. I think it's, it feels like she's built this image that is very curated and kind of polished. And I think that can work from time to time, but I think she should show people her personality a little bit more and like, do some more candid shots, in my opinion. So if she was on it for the wrong reasons, she's not doing Instagram right? I mean, she, she's doing Instagram in a very standard way. I think this is, like, Instagram basic. It's not, but it's not really giving people a window into her actual life. Like, I think it would be stand out for a contestant of The Bachelor to, like post a photo of like something that went wrong especially if you're trying to stand out on a show like the bachelor and like have this personality that can be like effusive and translate on the show and possibly after the show i think you need to be super brutally honest and tell people when you are having a tough moment or if you have a beautiful latte that you accidentally like drop on the floor of the coffee shop or whatever like show the latte art and the spilled coffee Oh my God, there's a photo of her with Colton. What did she say? Oh my God. Will you watch? Will you be watching next week? Now I do feel like wrapped up in it. I really am curious about who Colton will choose. I want to see how the drama unfolds. I feel like, like with Tasha and Kaylin and Cassie all being on, they're going to get in some fights next week, I'm sure. Like, see, I, yeah, I do want to find out. We'll have to find out. I just realized you're wearing a bachelorette t-shirt. Okay. It's an accident. I'm embarrassed to see this.